Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the BHIPB podcast. I'm your host, Dante Fortson. Today we're going to finish part two, the religion of the Antichrist. I was talking about how Europeans usurped Judaism. And before we get into that, I just want to remind everybody to go to www.blackhistoryinthebible.com. Sign up, get your free book, Pre-Slavery Christianity. Make sure you click the confirmation link in the email so you don't miss any future updates. All right, so today I'm going to do a very, very quick recap of what we covered last time, and then I'm going to go ahead and try to finish everything uh, this time. So last week, uh, we talked about the setting up of the deception, the long game, how the enemy has a lot longer time to wait us out um, then the lifetime of one person is able to see, you know, all this stuff being put together. Uh, we talked about the some of the small changes in doctrine, certain words, how changing it to the love of money is the root of all evil is a lot different than saying the, um, I'm sorry, changing it to the, yeah, the love of money is the root of all evil is a lot different than saying money is the root of all evil. So just small changes like that. Uh, can make a huge difference. We talked about the planning, the gathering, the supplies, the allies, putting everything in place, putting his people in positions, the Edomite King Herod, stuff like that. Uh, we talked about the um, the Maccabees um, text that was written in 134 BC and how the Greeks at the time wanted to paint their images into the scriptures and then we talked about this long silent period uh, when the Messiah shows up and all of a sudden the concentration seems to be on killing the Messiah. So they kill all the kids. The Messiah hides out in Egypt, um, which proves that he was the color of burned bronze, just the way the Bible says, because we know what color the Egyptians were. And then stage three is where we left off last time, the causing of chaos and confusion, the persecution of Christ followers, invade, strike without warning. We talked about the 70 A.D. Um, invasion with uh, Emperor Titus. We, um, I talked about Josephus said that 1.1 million were killed during the invasion. 97,000 were taken as slaves. Anyone under 17 was sold as a slave. Anyone over 17 was forced to fight in one of the arenas. And that's how they began to persecute the Hebrews, which caused them to flee into Africa towards the Mediterranean and if you missed last week's episode, go to the BHITB podcast page. On the show notes page, there is a map that shows you exactly where the Mediterranean Sea is. It shows you where Israel is. It shows which direction um, Rome is, which is on the other side of the Mediterranean. And then they also attacked from the north um, east. So he, the Hebrews had no choice but to flee into Africa towards the Mediterranean, into West Africa, and migrate down which is why we see on the um, maps from the 1700s that the tribe of Judah was on the western coast of Africa. So today, oh, yeah, let me, one more thing. We finally wrapped up with the impersonation of Israel uh, by Europeans in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 2, verse 9. and chapter 3, verse 9, it makes reference to uh, those pretending to be Jews and are not. And what we have to realize is that those letters or the letter of revelation was sent to churches in Eurasia, a church that happened to share borders with Khazaria, which is where the Ashkenazi come from. They come from Khazaria. 
And if you go to Genesis 10 and look up Ashkenaz, Ashkenaz descends from Japheth. They are Europeans. They are not from Shem. They are not Hebrews. All right, so we're going to jump into, uh, we're going to try to finish that up today. So let's start with stage four, the cover-up. Destroy all evidence of a regime change. Now, I first came across this when I was studying uh, some of the stuff for pre-slavery Christianity. And part of destroying the evidence is so that you can cover it up so nobody knows that there's a crime. So now that the Hebrews, the, the Roman invasion has happened, the Hebrews, have even, some of the Hebrews have been captured, some have been killed, and the majority have scattered into Africa. So they're either dead, enslaved, or scattered into Africa. So the first thing you do is you start to hide and burn all of the images of the previous ruling group. Uh, we see this a lot. Uh, we've seen this in our modern age where uh, when Saddam was taken out, they pulled down all Saddam's statues. Or we see this happen over and over again throughout history. When somebody's overthrown, they take down their images, and then the conquering party then puts up all their own images. And then later on in history, people come by and – they either see this and they know the history or they don't know the history and they assume that the ruling group was the people that were there. So they do that. And then what they did was strange after that. Instead of saying, no, this is ours and holding it under their own identity, we start to see an odd thing take place in history where the identity of the Hebrews is reassigned to Europeans. And in the 8th century, uh, let me see, I don't want to skip past it. Okay, yeah, in the 8th century, um, the Khazarians converted over to Judaism. And the reason for this, this is, a, this is a story I've heard. I still have to chase down parts of it to verify it also. Just be aware that it exists. I'm not teaching it as, as gospel fact. But the story I've heard is that the Khazarians were trading, engaging in economic trade with Christians and Muslims, but they didn't hold to any specific religion. And both the Christians and Muslims, I'm sorry, the Jews and Muslims, not Christians, Jews and Muslims, they wanted to, um, actually, I'm sorry, back up, let me back up, Christians and Muslims, and Khazar, the Khazarians wanted the trade to continue. So in order to not offend the Christians, they wouldn't convert to Islam. In order to not offend the uh, Muslims, they wouldn't convert to Christianity. So they converted to Judaism. That's where the Jews come in. They converted to Judaism, and they started to call themselves Jews. Uh, there's a book called The 13th Tribe. I can't remember who wrote it, but you should read it. It's about um, how they did convert to Judaism and became known as the Jews and then took the place of the real Hebrews. And those are the people you see now that they're trying to insert into Israel, and those are the people that America supports, and while America claims that they are Hebrews or Jews, they're really not. They're Europeans that converted. Uh, so once you destroy the evidence, we know that America brought us across the Ethiopian Ocean. And I believe I mentioned it last time, but if I didn't, uh, the Bible tells us that the land shadowing with wings would come take us across the rivers of Ethiopia. So one thing they did was they changed the name of the Ethiopian Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean, so that reference was no longer relevant. They started gathering up countries, not physically, of course, but uh, Egypt, Libya, and several other countries when they originally named uh, that section of the world the Middle East, which was in the mid-1800s. They originally and still grabbed up pieces of land to include in this um, category. They were all important to biblical events. 
if you go through and just look at the Middle East or what they call the Middle East, they have removed some countries from the grouping uh, since they originally made it. However, every single country that they included was biblically important. And I'm talking uh, Syria, Egypt, um, Israel, of course, uh, Arabia, all those places were important to biblical prophecy. And there was more things like the, uh, that they did. They, they made us change our names because if you go to the uh, slave voyages database, you can pull up Hebrew names that were logged as they came off the slave ships with Hebrew names. They forbid us to speak our language. Uh, they would kill us or beat us if we spoke our own language. Uh, they split apart families so that you couldn't keep your family history and trace all that stuff. They uh, made it illegal for us to read English so that we couldn't read the Bible. And for those of us that were allowed to actually teach the Bible, we could only teach what we were taught to teach. And we also had to teach under close supervision. We weren't allowed to teach anything else because what happens is the reason this is being usurped is because we as a people, one, were cursed by God to spend 400 years in captivity because our ancestors refused to follow God and they kept chasing all these false gods. So, all this stuff was done to us because of that, but the Europeans also didn't want us to know who we are because, according to the Bible, we have the unique ability to call back the Most High. Now, the enemy who was using the Europeans, the devil, I call him the enemy most times, but the devil, who I believe inspires a lot of things to happen and uses a lot of people, which I covered in the last segment, he's using the Europeans to come to an end, and the Europeans don't mind because they're rich, they're above everybody, they get to be the ruling class. And, I mean, they get all the benefits from it. So they start to destroy all this evidence of a regime change. They have the new paintings. We don't have a language. We can't verify the history. So that means we can no longer go back and claim that land if we don't know who we are. So originally they told us that we were Negroes, which if they kept calling us that, when the Internet came around, we would understand to go look for Negroes. We tend not to be called Negroes now. We're African-American or black. But if you go back in history, you'll see Negro land. That is where Negroes come from. It is the part of Africa where Hebrews fled to and started to rebuild that part of Africa. So if you get a chance to go look up Negro land, please do so. And one of the things they uh, needed to do, um, tie up loose ends. This is still part of the same um, stage four, the cover-up. Tie up loose ends. The world knew who the Hebrews were which means you can't stick a European group of people in there for them to claim the Hebrews. If the Hebrews are still in Africa, they're able to rebuild, they can build armies, they have history, they have traditions, they have all that stuff that proves that they're still Hebrews. So what do you do? Now, if you get to Isaiah 18, 1, 2, it says exactly what they did. It says, woe to the land shadowing with wings. Now, this should this should catch a lot of people's attention right here because America's symbol is an eagle. And I know some people point to it, uh, point out the fact that Rome is also represented by an eagle with outstretched wings. However, it says, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. So this tells us it's not Rome. Rome is across the Mediterranean Sea. It is the opposite direction of Ethiopia. And it's right there. Rome is literally right there. And they could, they could take a boat over to Rome from from uh, like a small boat over to Rome from Israel because there's an island in between you can stop off at and then continue your journey. And it says that sendeth ambassadors by sea, even in uh, vessels of bulrushes upon the water, saying, go ye swift messengers to a nation scattered and peeled. Now, this is important because these people that come across the boat had to be represented by, it's called the land shot on the wings. It's beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. They come by sea. 
This is after Israel has been scattered into Africa. It says, to a people terrible from the beginning. Um, that word terrible in Hebrew is actually awesome. We translated, well, it was translated in the King James Bible as terrible. Uh, terrible or awesome from their beginning hitherto, a nation meted out, trotted down, whose, the, whose land the rivers have spoiled. That's Isaiah 18, 1 through 2. So we know these people, the land of shadowing wings has to come from beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. They have to come by sea. And there is a map, I'll add that um, in the show notes, that you can look at and you can see that it only fits one group of people. They have to come from beyond Ethiopia. Only thing on the other side of that was the Ethiopian Ocean. That was the word for sea and ocean in Hebrew is the same. So they had to come from that direction across the Ethiopian Ocean, which is what I referred to before. They changed the name to the Atlantic Ocean so that it does not point back to America. You see, they understood these a lot of these prophecies. They weren't doing this stuff by accident. They, they were targeting us. And we know this. Um, let me see here. I went through that. I just want to make sure I don't double back because I'm trying to finish this today. All right. So in 1619, let me get, let me go before 1619. In 1611, the King James Bible was um, completed, and it became the most popular, and still is the most popular version of the Bible that we use. I don't believe it's coincidence that 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 first popular English version. And I believe it had to do with the printing press. The first popular English version in 1611 describes the Hebrews as black. The, the current version we have now of the King James Bible is still contains the references to black skin, Hebrews having black skin. Isaiah 11, 11 specifically says that when God regathers his people, they will be gathered out of various parts of Africa and Arabia. It does not name a single European country in that text. And so I do believe that many of the powers that be back then read the Bible, and if they didn't, the enemy certainly did, and he wouldn't have to. He knew exactly where everybody was. So what do you do? In, in 1611, you know this. In 1619, eight years later, they had raised enough money, they had built the ships, and they headed straight to Africa to where they marked off the slave coast. And you can see this on Spanish, English, and Portuguese maps that they headed directly for the slave coast where it says the kingdom of Judah. They knew who they were taking. So in Psalms 83, it lays out a conspiracy to make people forget who the Hebrews are, not to kill the Hebrews, but to take the Hebrews, erase their culture, their memory, make them forget who they are, and make the world forget who they are. So you would have a world without Hebrews that could claim rights to the land and the religion, but you also need to make sure nobody else knows who they are. So you're presented with a problem because in the Middle East and Africa, everybody knows who these people are because they've lived there for thousands of years. Everybody in Europe knew who they were because Europe, Africa, and Asia all shared land. You could walk from Africa all the way around to Rome if you wanted to on foot. It would take a long time, but you could do it. So – you need a world without that. So what do you do? You find the new world. We hear all this talk about the new world. The new world was a world where Europeans came, slaughtered all the natives, went back to Africa, brought the tribe of Judah over to this side of the world, systematically erased their religion, their history, their language, and all claims to the land, all claims to the religion, which means they have we, they, our ancestors, and us, had no clue who we were and had no clue what we were meant to do or why we were there. We just were 
we just thought it was all about racism. They hated black people. They brought us over here as slaves. That's not the case. They needed a new world to put us in because they weren't allowed to kill us because we were still under the protection of the Most High, even though we were allowed to go in slavery. He wasn't going to let them wipe us all out. That wasn't an option. It never was on the table. So they put us in this new world where we don't know who we are. The rest of the world has forgotten who we are. I believe the powers that be still know who we are. So as I mentioned, they erased the names, erased the religion, erased the history. They split up the families. They changed the name of the Ethiopian Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean. They changed the name of biblical areas to the Middle East. And now that they have covered up their crime, it's time to grow. So what they did was they started sending missionaries and evangelists to preach this message and recruit new loyalists to their message. Um, Not only that, not only did they send missionaries to go out and preach this new uh, religion, Eurocentric Christianity, which uh, I'll talk about, but they they added what's called suppression to it, and that's stage six. So stage five is the growth stage where they start to evangelize. Stage six is suppression, and they actually have a little literal doctrine called suppressionism, uh, where they would adapt their doctrine uh, so that claim those that claim to be or those that had claimed to the kingdom of Israel are now looked at as the lowest class of people. While those who have usurped us, the Europeans, are now looked at as the chosen people. They teach that we are a beast race or a slave race. This is coming directly from Christian identity. It's a racist doctrine. Uh, they teach replacement theology, saying that the, the church, the modern church, has replaced the nation of Israel. They teach that in Mormonism, they teach that black people were the people that were cursed by God, joined Satan, and so we became black. They teach the curse on Ham saying that Ham was cursed by Noah, so all Ham's descendants must be slaves. Well, we know that not to be the case because when you read the Bible, only one of Ham's four sons was cursed, and they were Canaanites. They lived in the Middle East. So we see this constant attack. And then we also see the Cain theology where they say uh, Cain and Abel, you know, they had their situation, and Cain killed Abel, and so Cain was cursed with black skin. That was the mark that God placed on him. And so all Cain's descendants have black skin. They ignore the fact that the flood wiped out everybody except for Noah and his family, but they have used this over and over again to oppress our people. And the real question everybody should be asking is why? Why do they want to oppress us, specifically us? They wanted to paint themselves in our scriptures, take over our scriptures, get us to believe their scriptures, erase our identity, assume our identity, or in general, Satan's plan, the enemy's plan was to completely have Europeans appropriate our culture so that they could have the appearance of being us, but not necessarily be us. So this brings us to stage seven. It looks like I might actually get through this today. Stage seven is the final stage. It's prevention. What are they trying to prevent? What is the enemy trying to prevent? He's trying to prevent the return of the Most High. If you read through the prophecies, in the last days, Israel remembers who they are. And in order for us to remember, we would have first had to forget. Israel remembers who they are. They remember who their God is. And again, we have to forget in order to remember. Israel then, with this new knowledge, calls, repents, and then calls out to the Most High. The Most High comes back, and he sets things right. And over and over again, the Bible says the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Look around you. Who's last in the world right now? It is the Negro. The Bible says that Um, The stranger shall live among us, and he shall come up higher than us, and we shall go down lower than him. He shall lend to us, but we shall not lend to him. 
Look at your corner stores. Who owns them? Indians and Arabs. We're giving them money. They're getting rich. They own businesses in our neighborhoods. They're coming up. Who owns the hair stores? The Asians. We give them money. They're getting rich off of us. They're coming up. We're not. Same thing with the nail salons and most clothing stores and the grocery stores. We don't own most of that stuff. There's a few of us here and there, but most of us don't own that stuff. And the stranger among us is getting up higher. So the prevention was slavery. First, you enslave the people. You have complete control over them. Now, with slavery, people eventually start to get tired of that slavery. And so when we were released from um, illegal slavery, they didn't they didn't just say, hey, slaves, you get to go free. What they did was they said, okay, well, you can be free as long as you're not convicted of a crime, but if you get convicted of a crime, we can legally enslave you again. Read the 13th Amendment if you're not familiar with it and you've never read it. The 13th Amendment does not abolish slavery. It gives Europeans the power to legally re-enslave black people as long as they can get them convicted for a crime. So after they released us from there, from slavery, the first thing they did was created the vagrancy laws, which said, okay, well, you're, you're now free, but you don't have anywhere to go. You're homeless. You're a vagrant. It's illegal to be a vagrant, so back to slavery you go. And that has been the black struggle from the very beginning. So we had to hustle and struggle to get something because they didn't pay us restitution like they did to the Japanese when they put them in internment camps. They didn't pay restitution like they did to the Native Americans and gave them uh, reservations and casinos so that they could financially rebuild themselves. They didn't give us any of that. They don't let us sell fireworks on our own um, reservations to make money or have our own police or anything like they did with the Native Americans for what they did. So we see this history of them holding us down. And from the vagrancy laws, we get into a whole bunch of other history, which ends up um, at segregation where we weren't allowed to mix with them. We weren't allowed the same bathrooms, the same drinking fountains, the same restaurants, the same. We had to give up our uh, seats during the Jim Crow era where we were treated as second-class citizens. And so all this has been done based nothing on, on nothing more than our skin color, which is why I get irritated when I hear white people say that uh, we're playing the race card. When we can look at our history since 1619, they've been playing the race card. Slavery was the race card. The vagrancy laws were the race card. Segregation and Jim Crow were the ra- a race card. Murder, lynching, rape, and torture at the hands of the KKK was the Democrats playing the race card. So let's not forget that the Democrats are the one that gave us the KKK, even though now in 2018, most of the KKK support Trump. And that's only because in the 1970s, the Republicans used Southern strategy to attract parts of the racist Democrat Party over to their party. And notice I said parts of the racist Democrat Party, not all of them. Some of them are still there because while the, Demo- while the Democrats gave us the KKK and the Republicans are clearly racist, we can see that now, the Democrats also backed Planned Parenthood, which started off as the Negro Project, which basically the entire intent behind it was to find a way to legally have black people commit genocide. They wanted to pitch it as the woman's right to choose, and basically it came down to, hey, black fathers, you have no rights. We'll give 100% of the rights of your children to the mothers, and then what we'll do is encourage the mothers to kill the children so we can commit genocide, but our hands are clean because we're not doing it. We're only planting the idea. And what does Satan do, the enemy? What did he do in the garden? He only planted the idea. He didn't force feed Adam and Eve the fruit. He planted the idea. So we see this here still in effect. Um, The enemy is still trying to prevent us as a nation from waking up, us as a nation from growing because he needs to control it. So from there, 
in the 19, in 1956 to 1971, the FBI ran a uh, program called Cointel Pro. For those of you who had never heard of Cointel Pro, Tail Ministries mentioned it last week, and I told you I was going to get into it this week. <coughs> Excuse me. So, in Co- what Cointel Pro was, they would use surveillance, infiltration, discredit, and disrupt any black organizations. They did it with the KKK and a few others, but. Clearly, the KKK is still around because they didn't have their leaders assassinated and in prison like they did to ours. So basically, that's what they would do. They would try to steal the credibility um, from these black organizations like they've done with BLM. And I believe a lot of those riots are probably COINTELPRO uh, inspired. Uh, They would bomb black churches, black businesses, black homes. They would create media bias, and they would demonize uh, black people, black movements, and all that stuff. So they wanted us to be the bad guys, and when that didn't work, they would kill our leaders off or put our leaders in prison because the enemy doesn't want us to rise up. That's why every time we have a black leader step forward, something happens every single time. So we're at a point now where we're all starting to wake up, and we don't have any black leaders because we're not supposed to have any black leaders. If you look at what God told Israel in the first place, God, the Most High, was going to lead Israel. And then he was going to speak through his prophets, Moses and Aaron and Miriam. But Israel started to complain that they wanted a king, and eventually God gave them a king after the period of the judges. And so Israel has been looking for black leaders since, since Moses, really since Moses and Joshua died, because the time of the judges happened after Moses and Joshua. So the enemy does not want us to wake up to who we are. So what he has done is he's infiltrated Christianity. Um, by displacing the Hebrews, replacing his people with Europeans, and then now the European Christians support those, the fake Europeans that are claiming to be Jews. And so their religion teaches a white supremacy. So many of them believe that black people are cursed. That's why we're in the condition that we're in. Many of them believe that they're the people of the book. And so they teach that, and a lot of their premise is based around that. And whenever you start to teach it, you can get blacklisted. You can, um, they start to you know, make claims about what you're doing is racist anytime you point that out. But if you go to their churches, they have no problem saying, hey, these people are Arabs. This is referring to black people. This refers to these people. They have no problem pointing out any of the race. The only time it becomes a problem is when you start to point out their race as the usurpers. So now we have a picture of a white Jesus hanging in these churches. The image on the cross, the white Jesus, that's idolatry. It's no different than the golden calf. It doesn't matter if you think that that's representative of Christ. If Christ was not white, then that white man on the cross is not Christ, and that white man on the cross is an idol. The cross itself has turned into an idol. And so we see this shell start to be put over the the words of the Bible. So the Bible says Jesus was looked like he had burned bronze skin. Well, we see the images of white Jesus, and many of our people say, okay, that's the white man's religion. I want nothing to do with that. Many white people see this, and they say, oh, that's what Jesus looked like, so he couldn't have been black. Or they come up with the um, idea that he had olive skin or he looked Middle Eastern. So we see this usurping of the truth that happens, and I believe it was inspired by the enemy. So I believe that the religion of the Antichrist won't be some new random religion that comes out of nowhere. I believe it may be Christianity. Eurocentric Christianity, and don't confuse that with the biblical Christianity. Eurocentric Christianity, they they celebrate when they invade countries. They they want to conquer other countries. They want to spread the belief that white people are the chosen people and that black people are a beast race or a slave race. When in reality, we're not. We're the chosen of God. We're the 
chosen people. We're the tribe of Judah over here in America. And a lot of us don't know who we are because history has been obfuscated and usurped by them. So what I've been doing, that's part of the reason for BlackHistoryInTheBible.com. It originally started out just to study the lineage of Ham, but now it's turned into something more. Go check out the evidence section on BlackHistoryInTheBible.com and do some research. You'll see that, that Christianity has been usurped by the enemy. Judaism has been usurped by the enemy. And right now what we're looking at is the end game. The persecution of black people will increase. This is called the time of Jacob's trouble. Anyway, that's all I have for this study. I'm surprised I got through it. But next week, join me uh, next week because the topic is going to be fun. But I don't even want to say anything on that. What I want to do is pitch. Tao Ministries will be joining me again on Saturday. And we're going to be talking about Eurocentric Christian racism and how it has affected the black community, which is why I wanted to finish up the legend of the Antichrist first, so that you know that it is the enemy that is behind, to me, in my opinion, it is the enemy that is behind Eurocentric Christianity. And when I do the show this Saturday, 7 a.m. Pacific time, 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern time with Teo, we're going to talk about how racism in the Eurocentric Christian church has affected our communities. And until then, please share, please keep listening. Check out the BHITB website, go to the Patreon uh, page. Check that out. If you support, give a dollar. It's much appreciated. And check out the study on the law versus grace for those of you who are not sure if we're still under law or grace. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing. Until next time, I'm out.